You're listening to episode number 82 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. New episodes are released only on Self-Care Sundays, and today's episode is an interview with Bailey Parnell. Bailey Parnell is the founder and CEO of Skills Camp, a soft skills training company that has worked with top-tier clients such as LinkedIn, CIBC, PepsiCo, and the City of Toronto. Bailey was named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. She's a TEDx speaker with almost 2 million views and an award-winning digital marketer. Her work and expertise have been featured in Forbes, CBC, Flair Magazine, and more. And Bailey did her master's in communications and culture at Ryerson University with research looking into social media's impact on mental health, the results of which she presented at the World Youth Forum in Egypt. And that has turned into her signature five-step towards hashtag safe social, which is exactly what we're talking about in today's episode. I wanted to interview Bailey because one, she's clearly an amazing businesswoman, but two, because I think she has some really interesting research around the impacts of social media on mental health and some opinions that are maybe contradictory to what you hear in the news all the time. In this episode, we talk about how she got to where she is now and her work around social media and mental health, along with her tips of how we can be using social media in a safe and responsible way that actually positively impacts our mental health instead of negatively impacting it. Let's get into today's episode. Okay, Bailey, I want to start with your story. So you're an award-winning digital marketer. You've been named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women, which is super, super cool. How did you get here? That's a good question. How do any of us get here? I How far should I go back? I was born and raised in Brampton, which I'm happy to represent because I feel like Brampton gets a lot of hate undeserved. <laughs> and then <laughs> I went to Ryerson for uh, media production. So I actually wanted to do foreign news journalism and it was kind of a, a path filled with curves about testing new things and trying digital and social marketing and liking that better and kind of realizing what it was I liked about storytelling and um, what I liked about being on screen and realizing also that you could be paid to speak. That was a revelation in school. <laughs> so then um, I started Skills Camp, which is my main business, and that's a soft skills training. And that launched from the beginning of 2016. And um, it's funny because when I was after I graduated, I actually worked full time at Ryerson in a digital social marketing role, but within the um, Department of Student Affairs. So kind of everything outside the classroom that supports student success, like uh, mm-hmm. health and wellness departments or career centers. And it was definitely that role right after graduation that was very much the impetus for both Safe Social and Skills Camp. Fast forwarding on the Skills Camp side of things, it was very clear that the students who used Student Affairs were more successful, but the reality was most don't. At the same time, there was a bunch of research coming out from employers and and governments talking about the skills gap and this need for soft skills. And so I just thought that I was the perfect person to solve that problem, given my career history. And then around the same time, though it bubbled up much slower, it was uh, Safe Social. And because I was starting to see the start of articles coming out saying social media might cause depression back in 2015, Instagram was just popping off. There wasn't even really Snapchat yet. And then I was also the one telling young people to be 
on social media with me. So that's when I started professional research into can they do this safely? And that kind of snowballed over into, well, I'm going to do this research anyways, I may as well get a degree out of it, which snowballed into um, the TED Talk. And now uh, fast forward five years and I go around the world talking about social media's impact on mental health and we'll be launching the organ the kind of organizational component to it within a month. So cool and such an important topic and something super, I mean, always relevant, but I think especially during quarantine, we were chatting before getting on the call how we're just like so consumed in this digital space now because we're stuck at home. We can't do anything else other than connect with each other on social. So I want to talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about your TEDx talk, which has almost 2 million views. (laughs) Crazy. The title was, Is Social Media Hurting Your Mental Health? Mm-hmm. So what's the verdict? Like how much, how harmful is social media really? Yeah. So it's funny because that TED talk was actually just released at the beginning of uh, 2017. And I feel like I know, give a whole new TED talk on all that I've learned since then. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first went into my research, I thought that I would find a more explicit correlation based on all the same news articles I was reading saying, this is causing an issue. This is causing depression. And um, what I actually found in the research, and, and this will be like live, you can you don't even need to take my word for it. You can go read my thesis. And everyone else's research, when I started going through that, I started realizing there's actually no consistency here. Some people are saying, yes, there's an issue. Um, some people are saying there's nothing we can report on. And the part that most interested me that wasn't, I was not reading in news articles was that there was also a whole group of researchers that said, hey, wait a sec, social media improved the mental health of our participants. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. So again, don't take my word for it. Go read the lit review. But there was that section, so much so where even in the categories of of researchers that said there is an issue here, they also self-admitted in their limitations is what we'd call it. They self-admitted saying we actually can't fully say what the direction of this correlation is. So for example, when you use social media, do you become more depressed or do depressed people use social Mm. media more as a coping strategy? (laughs) If you're watching the audio right now, I'm just like, uh, wow, mind blown. Like when people are into this, I feel like such a nerd because I'm like, (laughs) I know it's so cool. (laughs) I love this. That's really interesting. No, because that's, yeah, you never hear that. That's never the way the conversation is framed. It's never, oh, if you are more anxious or more depressed, you're more likely to use it. It's generally the reverse of what you said, which is the more you use it, the more depressed you get, right? Right. And there, it is very cyclical, but it's it's actually quite similar to um, questions you would ask in alcohol addictions and something like that. You know, do you use alcohol and become depressed or do depressed people use alcohol as a coping mm-hmm. mechanism? Quite similar. So... What was always consistent, and this is what guided my research, is that when there was a mediating variable in the middle or something like I feel envy more or I compare myself more or I feel lonely more or I was already feeling stressed and this just made it worse, then it was a bad situation. And some research even showed that when you removed that, that it, it, it no longer had a negative correlation. It suddenly made them feel better if you removed the feelings of comparison and envy. And this is what I found in my work too. And that's why that TED Talk, I feel... Um, it's great. It's still all very true. So I'm glad that I wasn't wrong then, but, um, but it's, it's just so nuanced. The real answer is still what I said in the Ted talk, which is that is social media hurting your mental health? 
The answer is it doesn't have to. And now I just wish everybody would see that there is a whole group of people and research to show that this there's a lot of benefits here. We all know that. That's probably why we're using it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Personal branding, job search, connection, inspiration, travel, whatever it might be. And that's why the basis of my work now is, okay, I'm not going to advocate for abstinence-based education here because teenagers would laugh me out of the room. But how, like, what is happening with these people that don't seem to be having a problem here and they seem to be getting the benefits and they're not experiencing those same risks? What's happening here and kind of how can we blow that up to everybody else? And that's what practicing safe social is. Okay, there's so many things that I want to dive into <laughs> here. Um, one thing that's top of mind for me around mental health and kind of a conversation in the mental health community that's, community that's always had is, is people's mental health really getting worse or is it just that we're talking about it more and it's more mm-hmm. visible because of social media. Is that kind of something that you're finding too? Or like, what are your thoughts around that conversation? So glad you asked, because I do have a theory about this exact (laughs) question, because I get asked a lot too. uh, Naturally, when you're like, same for you, probably when we're working with parents and they're Mm. wondering why this social media conversation just opens up a whole gateway of, of related questions for parents. And I do get asked that. And I think that is that there is more strain. So one thing we can agree on is there is more strain on the system for mental health and there is more request for services and there is more need for services just based solely on numbers. But I think that it's cannot solely be blamed on either one. I think it's a combination like that we're talking about it more or that people are more anxious. I think that it's a combination of factors for young people. So on one end of the spectrum, you have... Uh, the fact that they do now have the language to describe what's happening to them. So that's just phase one. You know, when they're feeling stressed, if this is chronic over some time, they now know what, how to describe anxiety maybe. They now know if you're having depressive episodes for, you know, extended periods of time, even the grade sevens I work with now know, you know, kind of clearer what is anxiety, what is depression, Mm. what is stress, how do you identify it? So they have just language period to describe what's happening to them. That to be honest, people in my own immediate family don't have. Where I'm thinking like, I'm able to see habits over and over again because I have this language and, and this lens, but they can't even do it for themselves. So that's one thing with young people. Two, there is less stigma. So they Mm -hmm. are able to, if they do identify something, they are able to talk about it more openly. And there is more avenues to talk about it more openly so that it's not just you're stressed, you're stressed. My kid's always stressed. Well, you know, keep it to yourself and suck it up and get over it because we all have more language and less stigma around it. And then of course, I do think that social media is a huge piece of this because all the same stuff that stressed teenagers out a long time ago were things like peer-to-peer comparison and do you fit in and now you have this thing that's always on it's directly tied to you it's quantified your self-image and you can compare yourself to the version of you all over the world so there is more stressors these days for kids and there is more distraction these days and that's where I wish parents would have a little bit more empathy so it is Mm -hmm. a combination of both there is more distraction social media is playing a huge piece in in self-image and just 
time use. They know they maybe have the language to identify what's happening to them when it happens. And then there's less stigma to actually go out and, and talk about it and get help. When you put all that together, there is going to be more, there's going to be more ask for mental health. <laughs> I love yeah, how passionate you get about this. I love yeah. talking about this stuff. Yeah. I'm sitting here like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because I think parents need a little bit more uh, empathy sometimes instead of just, mm-hmm. sometimes I hear like, oh my God, kids these days. And I'm yeah. like, oh, let's unpack that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, so true. Um, You touched on safe social, which I want to get into. First of all, so clever. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about like the social media addiction. Like so many people Mm -hmm. joke, oh, I'm addicted to Instagram. Oh, I'm addicted to Mm -hmm. TikTok. What is the line where social media usage actually becomes a problem? And like, how are we defining real addiction to social media? Like, when is it really a negative thing? Right. So I think this is an interesting piece because now there's by every measure mass addiction to social media. And I really mean mass addiction. And that's because it's both physiological and physical or habitual. So we have the physiological release of things like dopamine every time you get a like. And when you're talking about a young brain that's being conditioned, then dopamine is a feel-good chemical. In any other situation, the brain is looking for situations that release those feel-good chemicals. And it's kind of like, um, again, mental conditioning, this do this kind of thing, hugging friends or family, like certain chemicals are released to condition us to want more of that. So even from a young brain, you are actually being physiologically conditioned to see this as a good thing because those chemicals are released when you feel good about yourself. So that's one thing that is, that can be a very addictive to people. And that's why it's addictive with, with many other risky behaviors as well. Anything else that really releases a high like that. And then what I think is even more interesting these days is more that like habitual addiction, which Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, I don't even know, I just kind of grabbed it and I already opened Instagram and I, I didn't even remember doing that, or I'm waiting in line and I have to like, I just have to be here because obviously that means I don't have friends if I am not on my phone in line. So, so that those in itself, like these are, that's prime for addiction, you know, little mm-hmm. things like making your notifications red um, so that you your blood pumps to make you want to check the notification, the endless scroll, not giving people a natural stopper and people are not actually good at creating stoppers for themselves. Mm-hmm. So Yes, there's there's addiction, but I would say I would say that uh, are we all addicted? I would not go. I like I can't go to the train station, wait for the train, and not be on my phone. Like mm-hmm. I just can't imagine not checking my phone in that scenario. Mm-hmm. So is yeah. that addiction? Yeah, I'd say I do too. So that's why I think there's mass addiction. And fortunately, which maybe we can share with the listeners and or viewers, the one silver lining of COVID has been that I've been able to work on safe social more. And as of like a month ago or a couple months ago now, I uh, was able to create an assessment called, are you addicted to social media? Not, not like a Buzzfeed style, like what kind of cheese are you? But like, it's actually based on um, how we present addiction in other risky behaviors applied to the context of social media. So mm. for example, I'll actually just read you some, read you yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, questions. Cause, so um, let's say, and if we were to replace this with any other risky behavior like alcohol, these are actually some of the questions that would be asked. So for example, um, if you're not able to use social media for some reason, let's say for example, no internet, phone taken away, et cetera, do you feel irritated, restless, distressed, or anxious? And to what degree? 
And so it'll it'll go through that and kind of calculate it at the end. Or there's another one that's, um, you know, do you feel isolated or like you can't participate like you're missing out on something if you don't participate. How much time do you spend, you know, thinking about it or thinking about like mm-hmm. what you'll plan or planning it or what you'll do on it or, you know, bumping into somebody because you're walking and texting or has it ever impacted your relationships? And, um, you know, someone's there to you saying, hello, like, are you talking to me? Do you feel actually uncomfortable like crossing a street, for example? And you you really are like annoyed that you need to put it down for 30 seconds to cross safely. So mm-hmm. the degree to which all this happens, if if we replaced this with any other risky behavior, we would be really worried. And uh, and that's absolutely happening with this. Like, for example, if, if you have been on Instagram for an hour and you get the notification and you don't remember what you've been looking at, that is a sign of addiction. Mm-hmm. So that means like it's been mindless. And, and I'm not perfect either. Like these things happen and they happen in varying degrees. So if you don't remember what you've been doing for the last hour, and if it were any other risky behavior, we would say that you have, you might have something that you need to deal with. Mm -hmm. The difference is that with something like, you know, drugs or alcohol, there's an immediate physical impact. So it's clear what these, what the risks of using are, but with social media, we're still figuring this out. I'm the first one to say that, like, we don't even have 50 year olds yet that have gone through puberty with social media. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. So we are, we're discovering this as it's happening. And we still, I think, don't even really know the physical consequences of this much use. Though we already know about things like, um, for example, do you know tennis elbow? <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. I'm going to demonstrate. <laughs> okay. Tennis elbow is essentially like, they call it that because it's an overworking of the wrist without mm-hmm. the rest of the arm. And I actually have that and I know what it's from. It's from mobile use and it's from um, typing. So I even think about like how much stress and your mental health affects your physical health. Like when I'm mentally unhealthy, when I'm stressed or anxious, I, my acne gets worse. Mm-hmm. Um, my sleep gets worse, so many other aspects of my life. And so if that is then also connected to social media, you can kind of like predict and imagine how after 50 years, let's say that is mm-hmm. impacting somebody, but exactly like mm-hmm. you said, like it's not immediate. So yeah, it is. It's kind of funny, but I also, even though I spend a lot of time talking about the risks, because I still think that we're in that phase where I'm just educating people like, Hey, there are risks here. Like mm-hmm. you just know about them. So I, I do spend a lot of time talking about the risks, but the funny thing is that the whole point of practicing safe social is that there is a lot of benefit here too. Like there's a lot of good stuff and uh, I get the good stuff. That's why I'm not, I don't abstain. And yeah. um, even in my own research, 100% of participants also gave me positive aspects of using. So again, I always come back to we're talking a lot about the risks and you need to know about them. You need to manage them, but there is a way to get these benefits with less risk. And Mm -hmm. I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, which is how you're doing, you know, and how you're feeling and, and how that might impact your body, which impacts your social media use. They all do go in tandem. And that really is the most important thing, bar none, is how you are doing offline. Okay, so let's talk about, first of all, that term safe social. What does that mean? How did you come up with that? Social media is a risky behavior like sex or drugs or alcohol. And the further I got into the research, the more that comparison was stronger to me than ever. And uh, it, it almost sounded more and more like 
you know, safe sex conversations. If I'm really getting, if anyone will appreciate the kind of branding behind it, it's you. But uh, like, yeah, I love it. So I was saying in that talk, you know, if abstinence is not an option, I know it's not really an option for kids these days. We're the ones telling them to be on social media for personal branding, for the job search, for Mm -hmm. all this stuff that is going to help their career and does help my business straight up. So if abstinence is not an option, how do you practice safe social? (laughs) And and that kind of just... One at one point it'll sound corny, but it's still fun. And uh, then it really just became about um, actually that is true. It is a practice. It's um it's not something where you can just say okay, like I'm good because it's about you. It does have to be something where for the rest of your life, if you're going to use this risky behavior, if you're feeling like crap, it doesn't matter when this happens in your life. If you're feeling down on yourself and and you follow maybe because of your weight. And I was literally just talking to a grade 12 before this and you're feeling, you know, like your body's not good right now, then that's not the time to go look at all the fitness influencers. That's like a masochistic in a way, actually. Mm -hmm. I love everything about this. The branding is so good. And you're so right. Like it's so impossible to detach fully from it now. Like abstinence, quote unquote, is just not really an option in a world where we look at COVID, we look at quarantine, everybody's lives have been impacted by this global pandemic. And thank God for social media and for our digital world where we can still work remotely and where we can still be making money and be connecting with each other through all of this. So it's something that's necessary. It's something with so many positive benefits. Now, what are the strategies that we need to be using to have a positive relationship with social media? So this is where I wish that the website was live and it will be in the next couple of weeks. So okay. safe, safe social media.co. But um, in my talks, the main thing now is the five, my five steps towards safe social. And step one is building awareness and understanding. And you'll realize that these steps sound actually quite similar to other risky behaviors. Mm. So in that building awareness and understanding, of course, you know, listening to something like this, this is why I do a lot of this. Like it is the point. The point is you've maybe just learned a little bit about how signs of addiction present themselves online. Maybe you've learned a little bit about um, potential risks of using. So even that is just step one. And it is also kind of funny that we talked about kids these days having the language to describe what's happening to them. So it matters on social media as well. And um, the TED Talk is, of course, a great place to start. Also, the point is spreading that uh, that awareness. Step two is is moderating your consumption. And that starts with questions to yourself, a lot of self-awareness work. And for this, I'll have a bunch available on the website for download, which is when you are using your own social media, do you actually like what you're seeing? Do you, does it actually bring you any positive emotion in any way? And I can tell you that I did an observation with my participants um, like in my research. And what I had them do was it, I, they would go on, scroll through their Instagram feed, and I would kind of be almost like this like <laughs> elf on their shoulder or something saying like, wait, stop. Like I would make them make it mindful Yeah. And so this was part of the research, but I really honestly think I could do this with anyone. And I would say to them, wait, so why did you like every photo? Or like, do you know this person? Or did you read the caption? Or do you like what they normally post? And I would kind of be that that thought pattern that we should all have. And it was interesting because they would answer questions and they would say, you know, I don't know them. We just kind of followed them because they followed me. And that's it. I don't really like them, but I don't really want to unfollow them because like she's dating my ex. 
And yeah. So, so then there, I'm there like, okay, I get that there's going to be social norms here. They are going to emerge, but this is also like what you're taking in, in your media mm-hmm. diet. And this is what's informing like the visuals and your brain. And, and did this bring you any joy? It's no wonder you feel frustrated after an hour because maybe you haven't felt like you connected to anyone, you know, maybe you haven't laughed or like seen anything entertaining or basically gotten any positive from it. And you can design your feeds to do that for you, but it does take a bit of self-awareness work because I actually, you know, I like to see travel and fashion influencers. <laughs> like, I think it's fantastic. I don't think I'm naturally stylish, so I need them to show me cool <laughs> ways to put it together. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then travel bloggers, you know, showing me places that I uh, didn't even know existed. And for me, that's motivating. There, it, there is two different reactions. And this is an important mm-hmm. piece because what it kind of sounded like in my research, what it would, it would almost exactly sound like this. They would say something like, if I went to the gym that day and I look and I see fitness influencers, then I think like hashtag goals. But if I didn't, then I see them and think I hate my life. That's really important because it wasn't actually about the influencer or the, whatever you want to call it, the content creator. Like it wasn't about them. And it wasn't even about the post because the same post from the same person could have two different reactions in two different hours for the same person, Mm. just based on what they had done to better themselves, what they had done to achieve their own goals. Like when you follow a travel influencer, you know, are you saving up to travel or is this a priority for you? Are you doing something to get there? And when that was the case, those photos became, you know, more motivating than, than a downer on the self. That makes so much sense. It's so much about where you are at personally. And I think that self-awareness piece is so huge and something that people are not really always so conscious of. Yeah. So just when you answer those, you know, steps for yourself about moderating your consumption, you might find, you know, my partner at one point, he didn't want to follow any celebrities or any, you know, big brands like that. Cause it was, it was an upward comparison where you were mm-hmm. deemed them above you and he it was making him feel bad and it wasn't motivating. So when that's the case, he had to purge those people, but I didn't. And that's why there is no one size fits all because some of those people made my social media experience better where I actually mm-hmm. left feeling maybe like a little bit more energized to go, to go keep conquering because I had seen them succeeding. But that's a change. He also, you know, grew himself over years and started reintroducing those people slowly back into his really like his world because it is your world, like what you're consuming on your feed. We it feels separate, but it really is like what you're taking in every day. So then you need to so design the you know your life. And maybe one thing I'll share also with people who are listening is um something that will be on the website, which is 12 steps, 12 strategies that you can just use right now to practice safe social. And some of them are very simple, like, uh, oh no, I don't have my elastic band, but there's one that's the elastic band trick, which is just literally putting an elastic band around your phone to get in your way a little and to like make it mindful. Okay. Exactly. A demonstration. You can still call and you can still text if you have to do that stuff. It just makes you makes it mindful and makes you have to remove it if you're trying to do anything uh, like scroll Mm. or do something like that. So it's just, if it's mindless for you, there's little things even that you can do to change just to just like turn your brain on. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to do this for a little while and see how I (laughs) feel. It'll probably get annoying, but that's what's about like training yourself to, uh, to realize, you know, maybe you don't even know yet how much you use it or I think a whole separate conversation is for people like you and where you 
have um, a following online where you are a personal brand online and you there's also like the work element to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think in the past I've struggled with. I've gotten a little bit better, but I know like just a lot of content creators, entrepreneurs kind of have this struggle of how do I define my professional from my personal mm-hmm. in general and then online when if I post something, I can make money from that, you know, like at what point, I don't know, that's, that is like a a hard line to kind of draw in the sand and say, okay, this is how much I need to distance versus if I spend more time on it, I can make more money and grow my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is also just the curse of beyond social media. That is the curse I think of every entrepreneur because Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, because like, I was just talking to my sister about this last night, no joke, but there, I said to her, I'm like, there is no moment. I don't know if this is the same for you, but there is no single moment where you have nothing you could be doing. This is an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. thing. I was having the same conversation last night as well. (laughs) I was up till two, two 30 in the morning, just like writing notes on my phone of, okay, here's some ideas of like, next passive income things that I want to start generating. (laughs) And then today, this morning had a conversation with, uh, M who's my roommate slash best friend, um, and Mm -hmm. my sister. And yeah, we're talking again more about like all the things that we need to do. And, um, my sister was like, Oh, I'm kind of bored. And I was like, I feel like I could never be bored. I have so like, I just constantly have things that I need to get done or that I want to do, or that can help me build or grow or content or whatever. Yeah. Like it's never ending. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what you, what we feed off of and what, like as, as an entrepreneur, there is, there's actually no minute where there's nothing you could be doing. So every time you're relaxing or, or like taking a break, it is a choice. Like mm-hmm. you are saying it's not because you're bored and it's not because there's something <laughs> that doesn't need to be done or there's not, you know, like even if, whether it's social media or, or, you know, even like skills camp, which is largely not social media, but you always know there, there is something you could do to boost business. Like there's always something, <laughs> yeah. so any, any break is a choice. So yeah. And I see for myself too, like when I post on social or I feel like I have a good relationship with social these days. And, but I also very much see the correlation with business, like straight up if I'm active and I'm nowhere near as active as I could be but if I'm active like there's a direct response to whether it's leads or Mm -hmm. connections or media opportunities um, all that stuff so I push for this even more and I I check in with myself even more because I don't want to get to the point where I need to shut it down mentally and not get those benefits Yeah. No, I think this is a super just honest and important conversation to have because social media is not going anywhere. It's helping so many people build their businesses, become freelancers, Mm -hmm. content creators. The whole influencer marketing world is built off of social media, Mm -hmm. which is basically my whole life. So very grateful Mm -hmm. for social, but I'm really glad that we can start having these open conversations around what does safe social actually look like (laughs) and how can we be making sure that our mental health is not going to suffer from these activities that are so important to, you know, so many people's jobs now too. Um, well, thank you so as thank well. You. Yeah. Well, thank no. you as well, because you're, you're someone who I would say you are showing more authenticity in your social media. And I think that that's actually something that does help a lot of young people 
like in step four in those steps, five steps, step four is model good behavior and lead by example, because young Mm. people are looking to us to see what's normal in this space and and how you should behave here and how to, and modeling our relationship with social media and technology and period, period. So the kind of stuff we say actually does matter, especially if you have a public account, because whatever you're posting, you know, there's a, there's a reason why 11 year olds are running around posting fake advertisements. I mean, like, because they think that this is cool because there's a whole, you know, group of influencers that are saying like, I don't really care what I post. Mm Mm-hmm you're going to like it because I look good. And and so people like you are making them, or you're making young people realize like, actually there's been thought put into this, or I've had these, you know, I have regular thoughts like you're having too. And and there's good days and there's bad days or whatever it might be. So yeah. it's important. Well, thank you. Thank you for bringing your knowledge to the conversation um, and for everything that you're doing. What are, what's coming up next with you and where can people find you? Yeah, so hopefully it's the good side of social media, but I'm at Bailey Parnell on everything. And then Safe Social will be launching soon, but you can already follow the accounts at safesocialmedia.co on Instagram. And the website is, of course, coming soon. And that's also safesocialmedia.co. And I'll link everything in the show notes and YouTube description, yada, yada. Um, So you guys can go just (laughs) click those links. Thanks. This was awesome. Awesome.